Welcome to the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel. Brain Fuel is a cerebral beverage that helps you find your flow state, enhance mental focus, and cognitive endurance. Elevate the brain and the body. To get yours, visit brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, fuel.com, and enter the code LIFO15 at checkout for your 15% off discount, L-I-F-O-1-5, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office podcast, powered by Brain Fuel. Here with Graham Boone of Blue Wire Podcast. So uh, certainly, uh, really excited for our conversation today as part of the Next Up Partners series. Um, good to be on with a fellow uh, podcaster or someone in the podcast space, I would say. But um, we're going to talk all about podcasts and kind of what, uh, how they're evolving, what they are in terms of um, how they can you know, diversify your media portfolio as not only a, a team brand um, league, et cetera, but also personalities and, and go from there. So Graham, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to chat today about uh, the meta topic of podcasts about podcasts. So the first question for you is being the VP of partnerships at Blue Wire, um, what is Blue Wire podcast for those who aren't familiar with it? And what are you ultimately hoping to accomplish? Yeah, so Blue Wire is what I would say we've just graduated from the word startup into young company, um, but we are a digitally focused sports media group um, with its foundation in audio. Um, so if they look at our business model as a pyramid, the lowest level of our pyramid would be our, our network of podcasts. So we license about 160 podcasts ranging from the top Lakers fan podcast to the top Yankees fan podcast to the top Manchester City fan podcast to RotoWire, to Sports Gambling Network. And we license those podcasts and sell and market them in aggregate. So they are kind of using as to, uh, pulling in one direction. So those 160 podcasts reach about 4 million listeners per month um, with about 600 million social media impressions per month. Um, so when we sell a Brooklinen or a Coors Light um, as a whole to the company, they get to then be inserted into all the other podcasts, thus creating revenue streams for our, our network podcasters. Um, the other two divisions, the one on top of that is the one that I lead, the partnerships division, um, which is our media and third-party talent. So we make bespoke content for media creators like Megan Rapino, like Lolo Jones, like Greg Olson, Chris Carter, we just announced a podcast series with. Um, and lastly, we have our originals division, the studio division. Um, and that studios division um, is uh, all original pieces. So think of what Wondery does with um, true crime and, and episodic narratives. We're doing that in the sports space. Some of, some of our most um, recent examples of success being um, Spinsters, an all-women-led basketball podcast by Haley O'Shaughnessy and Jordan Liggins, formerly of The Ringer, um, who've now recently been topping the charts, um, talking in topically, talking narratively, um, talking in um, long form, um, and then also a franchise we have called American Prodigy, um, which is now in our second season. Our first season was on Freddie Adu. And our second season was on Ken Griffey Jr. Um, so that's who Blue Wire is as, as a whole. Um, and my role is, again, to work with all of our third parties, whether they be media personalities, athletes, brands, media companies, um, to make sure that we're finding opportunistic ways to reach a diverse audience. Um, many of the podcast listeners are going to be in that younger demographic. They're going to be forward thinking. They're going to want to have um, a more intimate relationship with their media consumption. And podcasts allows for that intimate relationship at a way that traditional media, when you look at, you know, the, the, the get-ups and the first takes of the world, um, as, as wonderful as they are and as success as they've had, we think that 
sports media is becoming a bit more um, audio centric and intimate listener. I mean, this last year has been interesting in that there hasn't necessarily been the commute time to work for people to listen to podcasts. It's kind of been a, a different way, but maybe they've listened to it in a different form or, you know, per se, uh, different time frame, you know, in their workday. But what are you seeing kind of going forward and how people are engaging with podcasts as a whole? You're right. Uh, the way people are consuming audio changes not just over the years, but also with things like the pandemic and, and things like the lack of live sports. Um, so people were both listening at different times, but also in different ways. So when you had a, a lack of live sports, you still had this visceral addiction in a lot of our, our listeners to sports content. So if they couldn't spend their time watching the, uh, the Mavericks game, they might be spending time listening to Mavericks podcasts. They might be their time listening to watching YouTube videos on, on Mavericks hosts and beat writers. Um, so what we found was we were a nice, um, you know, we really hit a, a growth trajectory during the pandemic, um, which is which is showcasing that there is a need and a want even through these unique times um, to deliver high quality content. And that's one thing that also blew our being a production house and a creative engine. Our, our podcasts are produced almost entirely in-house. In, in um, our creative team, our marketing team, they're all in-house. Um, so we really have an opportunity to be um, agile and, and to be ambitious in our content creation. We have brought over some spectacular producers um, and creators from major, major media brands who wanted a little bit of freedom to do what they wanted to do. And so um, we get to test the market. We get to try opportunities and ideas at a quicker rate than a lot of our competitors um, because we have cut out the middleman in a lot of ways. Um, and so that's what was really exciting for us is to identify what listeners and sports, um, you know, you know, sports disciples are really looking for. Um, and we get to kind of do some, some testing here, but what's very clear is the audio market is not going anywhere. Um, it's just going to be trying to get ahead of what that next market looks like. Well, and you have players like Spotify who are really trying to capture, you know, some of the podcasting world, you know, acquiring anchor. That's kind of how we got started. And, and it's really an interesting world of content, right? Where the content's entirely different. It's not short form, you know, TikTok videos, right? You're, you're truly engaging with maybe a 30 minute or an hour long episode. When you think about partners and sponsors and how they're going to engage in the content, where does the educational component come of it? In, in the sense that, you know, sponsoring a podcast is different than anything probably they've ever done. So how do you educate your partners on it? and how they can, you know, obviously take advantage of it, but, but also have it be successful at the same time? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, one thing in my career uh, in sport, uh, sports marketing dollars have changed. Um, I was a player agent for eight years in the NBA, and I was told before my time that in the 90s, if you wore an NBA jersey, marketing dollars rained from the sky. Um, and then brands got smarter quantitative analytics came in, they got to figure out the ROI for a brand partnership with an athlete. And so by the time I had left the agency business in 2017, um, it became extremely difficult unless you were one of the absolute top influencers or talents in the NBA to get real marketing dollars, just the marketing had changed and we had to be, you know, uh, opportunistic with it. And I think that's very similar to what we're looking right now uh, in the media space. You can educate sponsors on what the podcasting world has meant traditionally, Instead, it might be a 30-minute or 45-minute topical conversation. It might be a 30 to 45-minute narrative episode. But you also get to tell them about your company and the content that you can produce for them. 
So you're not always coming to them with a fully baked idea. You might be coming to them with something that you have in process that they may want to have input on, not from a creative standpoint, but from a structural standpoint. So podcasting is a very low barrier of entry. If you can go online and buy a microphone, you have a webcam, you can, you can make a podcast, but it doesn't mean you can make a good one that people want to hear. And so the thing that we really pride ourselves on Blue Wire is finding those ways for our content, not only to stand out, but to speak in different ways to our audience, because not every audience member is the same. So we are, we are toying with ideas of five to seven minute podcasts, um, working with TikTok influencers to take their, their incredibly dedicated following online and finding ways to activate them across other mediums. Um, and then you look at a 30 minute you know, traditional podcast, um, I heard a colleague say one time that a 30 minute podcast is like a 90 minute movie. If you're going to be more than that, you better make every minute afterwards worth it. And so I think that when you work with sponsors, you say, and again, that's the advantageous part about being a nimble place like Blue Wire. Um, you can say, we can try different things for you. Um, we're not going to have the same bureaucratic model that a lot of our competitors are mired down in. And that's not an insult to anyone because they've already had experience to demonstrate a success. Um, however, we're trying to create the next version of success in the audio space. And I think advertisers um, are, are thinking dynamically as well. And the ones that have, have shown the best partnership with us have been the ones that have noticed that our, our content is just a bit different. And that's exciting. You know, with your past experience, not only on the agency side, but then working with executives um, from the Nolan partner side in the executive search firm world, and then understanding the podcast world now, how can teams and leagues and other properties go about creating their own podcast? Look, it's, yes, you said it's easy, but just because you create one doesn't mean it's good. And, you know, I'd like to think that, yeah, anyone and everyone could have a podcast, just like anyone and everyone can have a social media handle, but you only have so many followers and, and, you know, engagements and so on. So how do you make sure that if you are going to put the time, resources and energy into it, that it actually is something, A, that's on brand, right, for, mm -hmm. for starters, and B, that people will actually enjoy and they can't get somewhere else? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that a lot of, um, a lot of properties are trying to tackle that exact question right now. And, you know, for, as you mentioned, my career has been um, a, a bit unique and eclectic, you know, working on the player representation side for eight years and then working in executive search on behalf of major clients and you know across the major sports leagues internationally. Um, and then now uh, on the digital media side and working with um, a bit of both, um, working with some properties, some talent. Um, and, and I think that it, it always comes back to, you know, what are your initial goals for, for setting this? You know, we've heard a lot of teams, I remember during the first esports wave, you had a lot of people putting in incredible amounts of investment into esports for really the, the fear of missing out theory of, I know that there's something here and I need to be early in on it, but without a lot of education into what they were investing into. Um, and then you see the same thing in the podcasting space. Um, once Serial dropped, I think that was 2014 or 13, that was the first viral podcast that really woke everyone's attention up to the, the value of having intimate, long form, thoughtful audio um, that could be a little different than drive time radio. And so when people have finally jumped on board of understanding that podcasting is part of our day-to-day -day vernacular, I think that we've saturated the market in a quick way, um, but you still see the, the, the cream rising to the top. Um, so you still see incredibly high quality content being produced by you know, the ESPNs, the ringers of the world, um, the athletic and newcomers like Locked On and Blue Wire. 
Um, and again, we're all trying to do something that's similar, but we're all trying to stand out in our own different way with the athletic being very journalistic um, in, in their basis, the ringer being a lot more pop culture um, and blue are trying to reach a much younger, uh, diverse demographic in a lot of our content. And so as we talk to um, teams and leagues, and we had a partnership with the Ravens last year on a, on a series called Black in the NFL, um, working with their beat writer and talking about stories of diversity um, within that organization and some realities of topical content um, in that world. Um, you really want to identify what are you trying to do here? Are you trying to be known as a thought leader in the space? Are you trying to convert listeners into season ticket holders? Are you trying to just develop some great content because you know that social media handles need to be filled during the day? There's no right answer in there. It's your personal um, property's goal and direction. Um, here at Blue Wire, we're here to take our experience and expertise in not only producing high level content, but also being thoughtful behind how we work with your goals and giving our best practices back. So um, I've seen a number of teams start podcasting initiatives because they just think we should have one. Um, and by the way, that's not a bad thing to do. It's just another th part of your media portfolio, the same way they have radio shows and Twitter handles and Instagram handles. It doesn't mean you're not doing the right thing. Um, but is there a way to amplify that to a place that it can be really advantageous for your, your goals? Absolutely. And I think there's two ways to do it. One, you partner with someone like Blue Wire um, if there's the right opportunity to bring in in-house, to bring in external uh, experts in and have them consult and help build together, or you spend the money and resources to find people who are experts outside and you bring them in-house and try to own that space yourself. Um, that latter portion is probably a little more expensive and a little bit more of a long-term investment. Um, whereas, you know, like any other outside vendor, um, Blue Wire can come in and help out in a lot of respects. Um, so we've seen some success in that area. Um, but again, a lot of teams and leagues, to answer the question more pointedly, um, they like to keep a lot of their, um, their creative in-house. Um, they like to control their messaging and bringing out outside um, consultants um, sometimes can, can be scary or say it's, hey, it's a heavy investment um, for us to not know what the product's going to be quite yet. Um, but, you know, it's our job here to say that we are not here to control your message or your narrative. We're here to help amplify it and, and create and consult how we can on the side. Um, but again, the client is always the client, and our job is to make excellent work on their, on their behalf um, and educate them to the best of our ability um, before we ever produce anything to make sure that we're all aligned. And uh, the, the final product has to be agreed upon and something we're both proud of. Yeah, from a podcasting standpoint, I mean, you know, as this episode is launching, right, we're 290 plus episodes in now in the life in the front office. And when you think about the long game, right, it's not just something you can put out and 10 episodes later, you've got a million followers and you're, you know, I mean, hey, there's we're, definitely- we're not, we're not all I am athlete, right? Where they release yeah. a couple episodes and they break the internet, you know? Exactly, exactly. We don't like to think we could, but, um, you know, you see a lot out there that will go 10, 20, maybe 30 episodes and then just stop. Or the consistency and the frequency doesn't continue from, you know, twice a week or three times a week or whatever it might be to where you're keeping your followers engaged. Uh, what are you seeing from a best practices standpoint? If you're listening to this and you're a team and you're going, wow, we only do one a month. Like we're probably not doing it the way we should be. Should we be doing it once a week? Or what's the frequency that you're seeing people be successful and actually stick with it so that when they start it three years from now, it's actually something of value. Yeah, it's a great point. And there's two ways that we look at content. And one is, a, is the one that I won't discuss. That's a limited series. That's six to eight to 10 episodes that has a creative through line 
We did TE1 on the history of the tight end position with Greg Olson last year, where it evolved from Mike Ditka to Travis Kelsey. It was a very clear directive, and the audience member knew they were coming in for a short series with weekly episodes dropping, and they knew what to expect. The other portion is what, we, what you just mentioned, and that's that, that conversational. Um, and conversation doesn't mean it has to be you and I bantering once a week about you know, a, a lightly produced show. Those have had a lot of success. That's probably the most common version of it. Um, but at Blue Wire here, there's two things that we think. One, if you develop the right audience, give them more content. Um, it needs to be high level. It needs to be engaging. But you really should make sure that you're understanding the intimacy of the relationship you've developed with them. Um, so if you are A, if you're not synced up with a cadence and you're Tuesday of one week and Thursday the next week and Friday two weeks from now, your audience who you know as a podcast listener, they're going to have other shows to listen to and they're not going to know when to expect yours. So knowing that it's a Tuesday morning drop, it's a Thursday morning drop, it's a Friday afternoon um, before the NFL weekend, that's very handy to know that they're going to um, have that sort of allegiance and expectation. Um, but the other part too is understanding that not every episode has to be the same. Yes, you want them to know a bit of what they're going to get. Um, you want to know that there is a tone to the show. You don't want to have one that's radically off the rails talking about social justice and hot button issues and you're, you're, you're riling up an audience the next time you're talking about your favorite player's Skittles, you know, or the flavor of candy, whatever it is. Um, that's a bit disjointed. However, we think there's a way to have really creative concepts around a, a, a baseline understanding of content um, I think Spinster's is with, with Haley Shaughnessy is a really great example. Um, we thought that there was an opportunity to have a really unique voice in basketball, but we thought there was a lot of basketball content talking about topical NBA stories. You know, if LeBron tweets out something on Wednesday night, every podcast is talking about it on Thursday. How do we do a bit more for our audience? And so that's why we have different styles of, of content coming out. It might be deeply reported narratives or investigative, it might have collaborators coming in. It might have really unique off the wall setups about, uh, I think recently they did like a, uh, like a love line, like people calling in professing their love for the Knicks and it was done this old talk radio style. Um, and then some really pointed pieces about um, the first episode they released was comparing the HIV um, issue in the early nineties with Magic Johnson and how in COVID in the 2020 and how the NBA reacted to two different health crises. Um, so the audience always knows they're going to get thoughtful commentary from two very intelligent podcasters, but they don't know it's always going to be the exact same format. And that keeps a bit of the freshness coming. Um, so for someone who's saying we produce one per month, um, I think you'd understand, A, what is their topic? Are they NMA, which has a little bit fewer events than, say, an NBA or MLB on a daily basis? Um, but also, what is their audience really excited about? And if you can see any data on you know, yes, your first, you had a really hot streak over your first four months, then it fell off. Well, iterate, figure out why that was. Was it the content? Was it the cadence? Was it the length? Um, there are ways to play with those setups. And once you have a feed for a podcast um, that you can control and you have podcasters that are willing to work with you on the creative, um, you can be, you can be opportunistic and change things. I, I think that's the best part about this new model. No podcast has to be seven minutes or an hour and 46 minutes. It can be free flowing. It can be up to the uh, the creator. Whereas there's a bit of restriction on typical drive time radio or um, on TV in in, in, our, in our traditional sense. Yeah, it's really interesting in that the host also is the one who typically is the driver of the attention, right? The followers, but then yet they don't really talk much of the episode for for a majority of podcasts, right? It's then the guests that they have on 
or you have other forms where they don't bring guests on, but it's just the host, right? And so you're listening mm -hmm. to that consistent frequency of that person. Um, you know, I'm curious as as you you mentioned some brands earlier, Coors Light and so on. How are they trying to utilize the podcast space going forward uh, as you know potentially a different medium of media, and, and how do they see it? How are you seeing it in the sense that they're seeing it differently from other spends that they're already making? Yeah, it's a really great question and one that I will admit that I'm still learning. You know, I've been in the digital media space for, for less than six months now, but and we have a wonderful business development team and um, some real brand experts on our squad that I should probably kick this to. But since they're not on the phone, I'll, uh, I'll, give, I'll give my best run. Um, I, I think that podcast, I think podcast advertisers understand this is a, a new medium. B, it's highly trackable with, with impressions and downloads and listens. They can know what they're getting for their spend. Um, and again, it's that intimacy. We can have host read ads where the host that you have agreed that you like their voice, that's one of the reasons they're coming back to, to this podcast. They're reading the content that you've created on behalf of you know, Coors Light, on behalf of Chevrolet. Um, so they get to hear it from the voice. It's not interrupted by a commercial that has some raging guitar over it and a you know, truck revving up. It's, it's, it still feels like you're having a conversation with theirs. So I think the, the content might be um, just a bit more easily digested and more happily digested, I should say. Um, so I do think advertisers see podcasting as um, another avenue that's not so abrasive or intrusive to the listener. Um, and the listener has already decided they want to be part of this listening experience. So they're not doing something that's overly um, intrusive on their day. Whereas if you're on Twitter or Instagram, you know, you're, 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 you're filing through and you see a lot of ads that you didn't sign up for. Now it's the same thing when you're getting um, on TV, the podcasting, you make a lot more directive choices. Um, and there's so many more out there and they're listening. Most of them are free to listen to. Um, so they know that when you're getting in there, that they need to place their content in, in an area where the listener's active, the listener is part of the community. Because um, that's one thing that I've learned from a lot of my, my colleagues who've been in podcasting for a lot longer than I have, is a podcast show really has a listening community. The ratings, the comments, that's going directly back to the, to the, the creators um, and the producers. And so I think that um, as advertisers see that, that welcoming area uh, of really active, included listenership, um, they want their, their ads to be a part of that. And they wanna make sure that it also speaks to their demographics. So, Blue Wire has been very open in saying we're trying to amplify underrepresented voices in sports. That we're trying to speak to a younger generation about more progressive thoughts and trying to be a bit of a disruptor in a lot of social ways. Um, we think our advertisers are happy with that, listen to that. Um, and we wanna partner with brands that think similarly um, in an authentic manner, which is, which is critical and, and tough to find at times, but uh, it's something that's important to our company. Yeah, that authentic piece is huge because, you know, as, as we start our brain fuel segment here, right, you know, you're, you're thinking about, okay, like how do I incorporate a brand into a podcast that already exists, right? It's one thing to, to have it integrated when you start, but another to then welcome them in. And, and you know, brain fuel was like this, this crazy um, synergy in the sense that everyone in the industry, especially in the sports business industry, we're always going a million miles an hour. We're always, you know, you mentioned you're in that startup environment to the young company, right? In that startup environment, you got to make sure that you're locked in and ready to go. Otherwise your day is going to take care of you as, as opposed to you taking care of your day. And so, you know, as you think about uh, mentally preparing for your day in the startup world, you know, what do you do? How do you go about it? Uh, are you tinkering with it? You know, 
what what lessons have you learned going from executive search to the startup world? Yeah, it's it's, it's a great question because executive search, um, the reason I got into that very actively was when I was deciding to leave agency, my wife and I were having conversations about, you know, what would I really like to do for a next stage in my career from a almost a personal perspective as opposed to professional development. And we actually centered on this one thing that I said one night where I said, uh, my favorite thing to do is to go to a cocktail party where I don't know anyone. Um, because I love having the first engagement, the first conversation, finding the common ground, creating that, um, that dialogue. That's incredibly important to me and it, it makes me endlessly happy. So executive search gave me this opportunity to constantly meet new people, constantly get exposed to different backgrounds and expertise. And we recruited not for, we recorded for the sports and, and entertainment industry, but we recruited from finance, from FinTech, from uh, you know, CPG, from um, international companies. I mean, places that I had never thought I would have an opportunity to speak to a COO from, to a, a chief digital officer from. Um, and so that daily preparation was understanding that I needed to have an open mind. I needed to understand that I was here to learn from every conversation I had as much as I was here to recruit for the client that had hired me, because not every search engagement was going to be as, as black and white as people thought it would. We needed to think creatively about that particular job, that particular client's culture, the goals of the organization, and why this unique candidate who has never worked in sports entertainment and maybe never even thought of working in sports entertainment might be a really unique addition to this very, as you said, unique um, you know, ecosystem of sports. Um, and here in the podcasting world, I've been very, very excited to do the same thing. I have to come in every day with a structured plan for what I need to get accomplished, what are priorities, the same way we all do in planning our schedules. At the same time, knowing that I've entered not only a new space in my career, um, but one that moves and evolves. I mean, it's, it's, it's nailing jello to the wall. I mean, digital media is constantly shifting and um, I'm working with some incredibly talented and, and, and far more experienced colleagues um, in a space. So it's, it's trying to be as open knowledge as I can be. And you can't come in with an ego to a new, a new industry. Um, and a lot of us in sports, you know, the reason we survive in sports is we have a little bit of an ego. Um, but what I've found here is accepting that we are all low, learning and growing with an industry that is so, so dynamic in sports media. Um, yeah, my, my days are hectic, they are anxiety-ridden, they are um, they're, they're exciting, they're frustrating, they're all the things a young company in such a dynamic space could be, um, but constantly resetting yourself and understanding that if I can learn something today and apply it tomorrow, it's not a bad, it's not a bad way to spend uh, an afternoon. No, it's a good perspective to look through. If you could have the brain of one of the podcaster hosts that you've worked with for one oh, day, wow. who would it be? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, you know, we've worked with some really, really good ones. I, I'm going to go back to uh, Haley O'Shaughnessy um, with Spinsters. And I've made that reference a, a number of times today. Um, she was not a podcaster before we brought her over from The Ringer. Um, we thought she had such a great voice in social media. She was a great writer. Um, and we thought there was an opportunity for her to develop a show around her um, her intellect and her interests and her keen awareness of social issues. Um, and so I think that I was always just so impressed with it. it took some bravery to leave a, a, a powerhouse in the ringer um, at a young age when she was still building up her, her profile to join a young company. And she jumped into a, 
um, a, a role with a team that was building something for her around her. Um, and the way she's taken it has, has been with just zero ego. It's been with excitement. It's been with interest. Um, she's allowed Blue Wire to push her on, on, on the vision for it. Um, and she's pushed back with her, her incredible talents. And so um, I think that she, just having a brain like hers that was just so, uh, so brave to do that, um, I'm probably a little more risk averse and, and a little bit more nervous to, um, to take those kind of leaps. But uh, yeah, if I could have her brain for one day, um, and think about the NBA at a really high level is I, I used to think I could that I met some people like her. Um, it's, uh, it's impressive. No, it's interesting. As you think about the conversations you've had, you know, you were mentioning in the executive search world across those conversations, and maybe there's some, some consistencies or parallels, but what's the most important aspect of working in the mental side of sports? And now I'll throw it even into sports media. What's the most important aspect of the mental side of working in sports media? Uh, mental side, I, I go back to, I've been in client service my entire career, just in very different ways. Um, for mental service, you're going to do yourself a, a service by managing expectations of everyone around you. Um, we are all easy to get, to get rushed, to get pressured, to get deals done, to get contracts signed, to get approvals made. Um, and there's no replacement for taking a step back and making sure everyone that you're working with understands the objective, understands the, the timelines, and understands what they should be um, working towards. Um, so I think that's the way that I can keep my sanity at times is understanding that I have laid out what we're trying to do in a very clear way, um, or the person I'm working with or working for has done the same thing for me, um, to know that if there was ever any retroactive um, issue that we could go, hey, well, here's what we decided on beforehand. How did it shift? Why did it shift? And let's try to fix it for the next time. Um, it was very important when I was an agent um, to meet with our clients before free agency started. We would do a lot of work on their analytics, their, uh, their fit analysis to other teams, which style of offenses and defenses and coaching systems would work best for them, what cities did they want to be in. But more importantly, what did we think their market was going to be from a compensation standpoint? Because they may think a lot of themselves in their playing style, but it was up to us as agents to say, hey, I know you want $8 million a year based on all of our, our information, our intel, our research, the reason you're paying for us as a service, we think it's likely going to be more in that four and a half to $6 million a year range. If we can get above six, let's call it a huge win. But I think it's, that's how we should manage opportunity. And we had to have very hard conversations with our clients about that. And, you know, listen, the next time when they saw someone they thought they were better on, you know, get $8 million, they'd say, I dog that guy every night. And you go, well, that, that team apparently didn't think so. Um, but it, it always helped us go back and say, Hey, here was the plan. Here was the, here was the information we had for you. Um, so we know that we did our jobs as representatives and that moves through executive search. When you're working with a client like the Milwaukee Bucks or the Phoenix Suns, or the Tennessee Titans, who are all clients of mine to walk them through what the actual process is, what we're expecting to get from our, our, our candidates. Um, and then here in the podcasting standpoint, um, understanding that our external partners are expecting a lot from either the dollars they're paying us or that our, um, our talent that we're working with expects a lot from the quality of content we're producing, managing all those expectations to the best we can. It's an easier way to live with yourself if there's, if there's a problem that ever happens, that's for sure. Last question for you. You know, As you think about the world that you live in now, jumping from thing to thing, meeting to meeting, you're going from one topic to another, probably on, on polar opposite ends. 
um, as opposed to maybe other jobs in the industry where if you're selling tickets, right, you, you are only selling tickets, right? So that's your one thing you're focused on, you're locked in on that. How do you stay locked in going from, you know, one, one conversation to another in different parts of, you know, just kind of switching the brain in a sense? Yeah, wood for reserve needs, I'll take my bourbon to answer <laughs> that one. Um, no, it's, it's, supposed it's, to be brain fuel. <laughs> it's supposed to be brain fuel. Yeah, the exact counter the counter to what we're trying to do with the health perspective. Um, no, I, I think it's it's a great it's a great question because I've never worked in something as fast as digital media. I've worked at pace at companies this fast. I've never worked in an industry that moves as quickly with with the um, with the seconds hand um, as digital media has. And so um, to stay focused, it is setting a calendar and trying to stick with it. And when people put on Hey, do you have 15 minutes here? If you don't have 15 minutes there, tell them no. Um, if you've planned an hour block for you to not have any meetings or calls, turn your phone over and get that work done during that hour block. Take 30 minutes to, to take a walk outside and leave your phone back um, to make sure that you're centered for the next meetings. It's so easy for us to say, I know that mental health is um, such a great thing that we're discussing and open now, and, um, but it's so easy to, to ignore that, hey, I'll be fine if I don't take a walk here. I'll be fine if I don't take 10 minutes for lunch. Um, but you know, I, I've found that in this hectic, hectic world, um, setting your calendar and being very sincere about what you can get from it, um, that, that's, that's really critical for me. Um, some people, and listen, it's all individualized. Some people really can work with 10 different arms um, simultaneously and not, for, not drop any balls. Um, I'm not a juggler. That's never been my skill set. Um, I like things laid out, structured, and, um, and, and on appointment. Um, so again, that's always going to be an uphill battle when you work in something as quick as digital media, but, um, Hey, we're not, we're not working these jobs because they're easy. You know, you're working at them because, um, someone thought you could do them and you thought you were, you were capable of them yourself. So I like to stay organized. Well, and, and you know, that that's going to push you and, and help you grow right at the same time. So that's, everything's a learning experience. Yep. You know, I, I think that I, I've spoken to a lot of people outside the sports industry and whenever they asked about the culture and lifestyle of someone that works in this business, um, I always say that many of us took pay cuts in other jobs to, to, to work in this industry. Many of us took harder roads to get to where we are because of our interest in working in such a unique environment with a medium that we love so much. Um, so I think that growing in every, as in every aspect of your role in sports, you do so much in this industry um, from that perspective, as opposed to, you know, working in a single job function for a single industry somewhere else um, that may not be as, you know, as dynamic or changing. Um, and it's by no means saying that working in sports is more noble or better, um, but I have seen that the benefits of working here, um, you get a more you get more attached to your work product. Um, seeing your work product on TV or um, on your phone and in your in your ears, um, in your hand for a, a you know Gatorade or whatever it may be, um, or brain fuel, um, all, all those things, uh, they they make sports a very unique place to work. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 just making sure that. Uh, you're looking at every opportunity as a reason that you grew a little bit. And uh, hey, sometimes they weren't growing. They weren't growth exercises. Sometimes they were just losses. And that's okay to have those too. Um, you know, I'm 34 right now, 12 years of executive experience. And I was lucky to start early as an executive. Um, and not everything is a learning experience. Sometimes it's just a, hey, we didn't, we didn't win today. Let's, let's go to sleep, win tomorrow. It's a great outlook. I love it. And that's uh, it's a great wrap to the episode. Graham, really appreciate you being part of the Next Up Partner series on the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel. And we certainly will keep attention to Blue Wire, what you guys are continuing to do, and certainly uh, attack the 
the industry of, of the podcasting world, um, you know, as, as it goes. I really appreciate it, Jake. Blue Wire's got the rumor coming out uh, this, this month. I got to put a plug there for it. He went on Cal Ripken Jr. and some, uh, some interesting uh, conspiracy theories around uh, his streak going alive in Baltimore back in the 90s. So check that out on, on, uh, on podcasts where you get them. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by BrainFuel. Remember, you can get 15% off your next purchase at brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, fuel.com, with the code LIFO15, L-I-F-O-1-5 at checkout. And if you like BrainFuel, give us a shout out, comment, share, and leave a review. And a reminder to get your copy of LOL, Loss of Logo, What's Your Next Move? Our new book written by Andy Dolich and your host, Jake Hirschman. If you go to mascotbooks.com and enter the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, you'll receive 50% off at your checkout or available on Amazon, ebook, and print.